Greetings and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's yet to synthesize the perfect brew. I'm your host, expert barrel identifier, Paige Chamberlain, and this week at the pub is ladies' night as we take turns levelling our alchemy in Atelier Sophie 2. Joining me tonight is someone who got their entry due to their Trails fan pass, that is Maggie Jones-Lutey. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Oh, so you've been on before? Yeah, just one other time, uh, David and I talked about trails, so the introduction <sighs> was definitely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, so we're talking about Atelier Sophie 2, which is the latest in the long-running series that um, that, that is this year's release, because it's usually a yearly entry. Uh, so what other Atelier games have you played? So I've only played one other Atelier game. Um, I kind of got into the series recently, last year, um, I played Atelier Ryza 2. So oh, nice. I I know that's probably not like the best entry point for someone um, just getting into the series, but I had a lot of fun with Ryza 2. And um, yeah, after I saw that Sophie 2 was coming out, I wanted to check that one out too. So it's, yeah, it's not your first time starting with one of these um, direct, direct sequels <laughs> to a the character's entry. Right, yeah. But the good thing is, I think, like, with Ryza 2 and with Sophie 2, it wasn't too hard to jump in, um, no. even though they were a sequel. Yeah. I've I've played both Ryza games, so I, I knew about, like, you know, every time someone's referenced, I knew who they were. Um, but I found that, because uh, in Ryza, there was, like, a new character, Patty, so a lot of times things would be explained to her. Or you had the perspective of a new person to be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so uh, you don't miss out on too much. And then with Sophie 2, I have only played a little bit of Sophie because the, I don't know, the way the leveling in that works is weird. Because like the max level is like 20 or something like that. You know, I was oh, having wow. Yeah, I was struggling with like which enemies am I supposed to fight because this is too hard and this is too easy. Uh, but I knew some of the characters, so when I was playing through this game, you know, they talk about her, she'd talk about some of her friends, and I'd know what some of, you know, who some of them were, and other things I wouldn't know. But it, that's usually more in those extra cutscenes you get. And in Atelier Sophie 2, you have an option in like the main menu to you get like a little recap of the like the gist of the story from the, her first game, because this one is set pretty much just after that right I thought that like story so far movie that you can watch was really helpful um, yeah. because I even think when they first announced Sophie 2 which um, I guess maybe was last year they mentioned that it would be like an okay starting point for someone yeah. like if they hadn't played um, the first Sophie game or other ones and so I'm glad they had that in there because it really made it easy to just kind of like jump into the story of the sequel and think like oh this is where they are they're going to take the alchemy licensing exam and uh yeah you just kind of felt like you were caught up yeah um although I feel like a lot of game devs say that every game is a perfect entry point even if it definitely <laughs> is not but yeah <laughs> but, but but I think both Riser 2 and Sophie 2 are fine starting points actually yeah, it's not like it's a game that um, the story is like a huge, huge part and you're mm. going to be totally lost if you don't play the first game. So, yeah. Well, that's um, they're always making new friends. So there's always other people that need to <laughs> be caught up on the history. 
Right. You can join them as the player. <laughs> so in this, um, in all, every entry, they usually change up the different gameplay mechanics because the games do have like this a general same formula is that you it's an RPG, so you have battles, but you're also the main focus is on alchemy. So you gather the materials from battling and just finding them out in the open world or not semi-open the open areas <laughs> and then taking them back to your atelier where you synthesize it but often all these systems are different between games or at least between the trilogies which is how these games normally come out where it's sort of three in a row under a subline and then the protagonist will be different but you might see some characters from the other two games as cameos or party members so the, the fact that they've been doing the um the number twos is <laughs> interesting. Yeah, and I think it I think they realize that people have really liked Sophie and Riza, so they want to continue their story in different ways. Cause I know with Sophie, she was in more than just the first Sophie game, but Sophie two kind of takes place in the middle of the mm. mysterious trilogy games. So it's kind of cool that you get to see her in this new like part of her life that wasn't explored previously. And actually, I think that I didn't I haven't played Atelier Lelua, but I think that's like a fourth entry in a series where the character is like the daughter of one of the other protagonists. So yeah, it's not the first few times that they wanted to go back and explore the... Because generally they're sort of their own world that I know of. There's like one character that seems to show up in almost every game, but generally like those settings, like say the stuff from the Dusk trilogy or the world um, in Ryza, nothing from that has interacted from the other series as far as I'm aware. So they're just, you know, as far as I can, I'm concerned, they're kind of their own world. Like maybe they're connected, but they don't bother to, you know, don't let that be a focus anyway. Like don't distract it more about like trying to connect all of those would be a lot oh Um, yeah like they try to keep them contained into their own setting but I bet someone has made like a web graphic of some kind showing how they're all connected I'd love to see that because the more that I learn about the series the more I learn that like there are all these little connections so it's cool that they kind of have a little way to tie them together but yeah they're definitely obviously interested in sometimes going back to those worlds. Um, but yeah, so in this entry, the new, like, so in Rise of 2, the new mechanic for exploration was like the dungeoneering, where you would find different pieces of information and then that would unlock the path forward for you. And then instead of that, they've gotten rid of that for now, which, you know, they probably want to save it for if Rise is getting another game and Again, like they change things a lot. They don't want to keep it exactly the same because it's a series that comes out almost every year. Um, so they added a new exploration mechanic in this one, which is the weather change system. And basically that's the... In this century, I found that like the dungeons and the like the whole overworld is basically the same thing. It's just a different setting when you go into a dungeon. Like maybe there's a couple more puzzles, but that's about it. Because this, this weather change system where you plonk the rock and then suddenly it's raining so now the river is up and you can cross the river because there's some like floating stones or something 
Whereas before, if it was sunny and you can change it back, you'd be able to walk in the riverbed and collect stuff there. I feel like that's pretty much what all the puzzles are based on. Yeah, I I thought that was a pretty cool mechanic because at, as you go through the game, you'd start to get more and more of the different items that could change the weather. And some of them would require like a pretty specific pattern of weather changes to get through. I think I remember like in one of the... Um, like the snowy areas where you yeah. were able to change um, the weather to snow, you'd have to try to get to the right point to make it rain and then make it snow so that the water would freeze so you could access a new area. But I thought that was fun. Um, it was a bit different from what, you know, Rise of Two had, but I appreciated just being able to kind of get to think through those puzzles. And also the worlds were just like so pretty as you explored them too. Um, and you would get to fight different enemies when you change the weather. So overall, I thought it was just kind of a fun way to introduce puzzles. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I think it was a good way of in, like ensuring maximum use of the space. Because like I said, yeah, different enemies will appear in the different weather conditions you put in. Different gathering ingredients will appear. So that way, and then, you know, you're, not, you're not necessarily having to leave an entire area to find what you need as well. But I think, yeah, I think the snow area is probably the most complicated the puzzles got because it was like yeah the three different things where you wanted the water to flow up to us at an exact point so uh and yeah like I'm not much of a puzzle fan but nothing was too hard for me to like (laughs) explore the area and uh, yeah I do think it was just very clever the way they use that and like you said the world I don't. I don't think I can actually pronounce it out loud, but it was like Erdweed or something. Erdweed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very, very pretty. And then you get to see like this area, and then it's on this area with snow, or the forest area being soaked with rain, and then you're all wet. And like, it's really good to just, especially for photo mode. You know, you can really set the <laughs> the mood you want. Oh yes, the photo mode was so fun. I had to like stop myself because <laughs> yeah. it was just you could just spend hours doing it, like making the characters have their own little poses and lining them up and getting them just right in the frame. It it's just fun. Um, mm. I think it was it was a cool thing to include, obviously, because you could have all those like pretty sun rays just kind of like go throughout the image anyway I was I was a little too obsessed with that which is probably why I had so much time in this game when I played it found that was a problem the last um last entry I played I definitely used the photo mode this one I was a bit more sparing because I wanted to (laughs) finish the game but I and I do like that because uh the photo mode was something they'd add to games later whereas for this entry they're like you know photo mode straight away don't you know here you go you don't have to wait for an update um in terms of I guess missing features even though it's like, again, I know why, because certain mechanics stay within, like, the sub-series or they want to be associated with the protagonist, but I definitely missed swimming. I think because of, I guess, because of the weather change system is why they didn't include swimming. Yeah, that's a good thought. 
that part was really cool in Ryza too, especially because the environments were so pretty and that just gave you like another way to see it all. So yeah, Mm. that would have been great to add. Yeah. So that was like a little disappointing, but yeah, I know why they've changed that. I am slightly more annoyed. Um, One of the things in Ryza two was also the mount. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no mounts either. And I'm like, ah, after I mean the fast travel is pretty good in this game because you can go to multiple points on a map when you've unlocked it but I was just kind of like oh, I just wish I had my giant I think it was a carbuncle or something and you just like scare off all the en- half the enemies out of your way oh yeah it was so it came so in handy yeah. like when you just didn't want to fight any more enemies yeah I missed that I had forgotten that Ryza 2 had the mount but like mm. that was so helpful yeah <laughs> yeah definitely uh, it's yeah i know why they they didn't keep some of these things but they i definitely missed them um but in terms of they've continued like in gathering they've continued the multiple tool type thing where on the same spot you might use a hammer or a pickaxe like oh no they haven't actually in this one it's different you don't switch this one it automatically switches between tools for you so you don't have like a spot that could have two different things unless you change the weather that's <laughs> that's when it's different so in this one you don't have to manually switch between your tools to grab the right one for what you want it'll just automatically default to the scythe or the hammer but they did add the major gathering thing so at certain glowy spots you do like a little mini game to try and get more um money elements quantity quality to it so they're all kind of similar but a bit I think the fishing was the hardest (laughs) out of that really the rest are pretty basic it's like a roulette wheel and you stop it at the bit you want or um there's like the I think the slingshot the bug like the bug catching one that one was easiest because you could just keep tapping it you wouldn't you wouldn't run out of tries like the other two yeah I liked those the most I just like just button mashed, I guess, that whole time. Um, Those were kind of hit or miss for me. I mean, I've realized they were just kind of maybe adding something in to make um, exploring just to have another little element there. Um, But yeah, I I thought they were fine, but they weren't like really amazing. Um, I think my issue was later on, I'd I'd get ingredients and then they would just have too many elements. (laughs) Like they just 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 too big of a section and I'm like no I think I just but you know it's better quality but I'm like I think I want I think I want the smaller (laughs) item yeah after a while your panel gets full and you're like I but I need to fit more in here and I can't it's yeah it's a total struggle (laughs) dropping because in in this it's back to the mysterious trilogy way which is like a grid system so it's like a puzzle when you're synthesizing in alchemy and so in the, in the later point of the game, I'm dropping ones that are just a sacrifice. Like they're just going to just to get out the way because I want to fit in the actual pieces <laughs> that I want. And when you overla- like overlap them, they just go away. So that was, I, I much prefer the Alchemy of the Riser <laughs> series, but that's me being not much of a puzzle fan. I still didn't find it was too difficult. Like I was able to you know, like I said, gradually just go like, oh, this is just like a fill-in piece, or I was able to create, like, good enough equipment, and especially, I think there was, like, some bosses I got stuck at, and I just came back, built a massive Draco bomb, and they were, like, gone, basically. <laughs> um, 
So, and then they actually do, yeah. So what did you think of this going? Because this is like a completely different system for you for the first time. Yeah, um, I really liked it actually. And I, I didn't expect to get so into it, but there was a few times, well, it was more than a few actually, there were many times where I would just start synthesizing stuff and like, 45 minutes would pass and I'm like oh I need to start doing something else in this game like why am I getting so sucked into this and so yeah I I really liked the puzzle aspect of it um it was just fun to try to figure out like okay these are the shapes that I need to put here and here so that my panel can fill up but I also want to link the glowing parts together Mm. so that the um element will increase and so I enjoyed it um probably a little too much because I could have like been more efficient with my time in the game. Um, but I liked it. I think the only part that kind of frustrated me was the recipe system. Mm, And how like you had, yeah. Um, because there would be things that I would gather like ingredients that you would need to gather to unlock a recipe But sometimes it wouldn't register, so I'd have to go out and find something again or fight this monster again. And I just felt like that kind of got tedious after a while. Um, But the alchemy part of it was fun. It was just in order to get this new recipe, you'd have to kind of jump through all these hoops. Mm. So that's kind of where I stand on it. But I thought the puzzle part was really fun. Oh, and then one other thing I missed from the way Riser was, was that you could like just loop into the next item so so it's more just saving you the trouble of having to go back you know make this item to turn into this item to turn into like it would just like follow through if you were in a certain way so I've missed that (laughs) definitely me too because yeah you would and that's probably why I got like I spent so much time in there because I'm like okay to make this bomb I've got to make this item and then I've got to make this item and Mm. you have to backtrack so much um, just to get the recipe that you need specifically. So, yeah. Um, and I also, because in this, um, Riza and Plakta, the Plakta you find in this world, they both synthesize, and so some recipes will be exclusive to them. And I didn't, it wasn't that annoying, but it also didn't feel like it, it, like, it was there for story purposes. It didn't feel like it was necessary for gameplay reasons. I agree. And at first, I didn't really realize the significance of that. And so <laughs> I was using Sophie to make everything. And then when I got to a point where I needed a recipe from Plakta, I was like, oh, like her level was so low. And I was like, oh, no. So then I just had to like use Plakta like for a while. So that was a mistake on my part. But yeah, it didn't really feel like it it needed to be that way. Um, They just kind of put that in for the story, like you said. Hmm. And yeah, the way that grid system works, I feel like I only got the greater concept, you know, look at the right and yeah, you want to fill up the elements because that's how you'll get the traits. Like, um, so you have, you have heaps of fire, it'll give you, I mean, I'm probably associating a wrong element, but you know, it could be defense up, will go from like small to large or something. So I was really trying to like perfect the grid to maximize that when I saw oh this is how I can actually make my equipment better and then they add the catalyst system which is it affects the grid in different ways so it might 
block off certain parts of the grid you can't use, but that makes things more effective, like the, like the element amounts. I only used a couple of them because I, I found, I think, most of them because the, you find them in treasure chests and stuff. But I think that was also very interesting. For me, I don't go too hard into this system. I pretty much just try to make what I can to get through the game. Um, I'm not not quite the brains to come up with the broken items like <laughs> other people can. But I'm sure like all of that would be really good for the people that are into it. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was fun to have like a, a little bit of a challenge, like with hmm. some of the, the restricted panels that blocked off a few spots. So you had to fit like your ingredients in a smaller space. Um, that part was fun, but yeah, I'm kind of with you in the same boat as far as like, I mainly just crafted what I needed to, to progress. Mm. Um, but I did see, I was looking as I played the game, um, online just to see other people's thoughts and like, they were like, yeah, I've already maxed out like the quality on like all of this. Mm -hmm. It was like this absurdly high number. And I'm like, wow, like (laughs) there are some like hardcore fans getting into this and that's cool. So it sounds like they were able to mix up the system a little bit, um, just to kind of like add a little extra challenge in there. So the uh, best way to play an Atelier game is to wait for the game facts on what, what items to make at your level. <laughs> yeah, that's one that's thing right. I, f- I found really, I think, annoying about the recipe unlock was that I didn't know where some ingredients were because I was playing pre-release. And then and I'm just like, is it is it just something like, you know, I need to increase the quality of my gathering items or something because that also affects what you can and cannot pick up because you'll see that there's something else mysterious, but you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't get it yet. It won't let you. Uh, because there was armor and weapons that I couldn't make because I just didn't have whatever this ingredient was, um, even like the level before that. And I was just like, where, where is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't updated his swords for like, <laughs> since everyone else has got the better stuff and he doesn't. Oh my gosh. It it is so comforting to hear you say that because I had like the same like dilemma while I was playing. I'm like, everybody's upgraded, but this guy, like I can't yeah. make his gun. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and it was hard, especially at the end. Like I really had to work to get the um, tools upgraded because yeah, some of so. the tools, like would, if you didn't have them at their, their very best, and max out like a specific trait, you couldn't get um, ingredients that you needed for certain recipes. Mm. And so that was just like such an ordeal all the way up to the end. And I think by the end, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm ready to like have everything. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like I'm ready to just have all of the the items that I need. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got I don't. I didn't really use it that much, but you've got the adventuring tools. The one thing I had to remember to upgrade is if this one has it, like the one that increases your speed, <laughs> because obviously without the mount, it's a bit more of a issue. But a lot of those are just passive benefits. And with the fast travel, I like never use the tent because in these dungeon areas or just open areas, there'd be like little campfires, and if you had a tent, you could just rest up and recover like your health and um, skill points and all that. But because I can pretty much run straight back to my atelier, save and come back and it's not much trouble to walk to the next part, I didn't really use it. Yeah, I didn't either. I think if they had given the option to save at the tents, 
it would have been more appealing but Mm. yeah keeping that kind of like right in the atelier and that's like the only place um yeah there was really no reason the fast travel was great though it it made things a lot more convenient as you explored i I unlock a new fast travel point or i'm about to go through a a door and i go back to the atelier and i save because i don't know it might be a boss immediately (laughs) right in there or something Right, or you may have to fight them twice. You just don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, oh, I'm exploring a new area, and then like a boss showed up, and I got handed to pretty hard because I wasn't yeah. expecting it. As an avid MMO player, the true endgame isn't actually transmog or glamour, but in fact, it's collecting those elusive mounts and showing them off to your friends. Much like real life, though, you won't be mounting anything without taking the proper steps. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, the Thirsty Mage is partnering with Manscaped.com, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, to provide mage listeners with 20% discount and free shipping on their products, which will ensure you can ride for hours. Just use the promo code THEMAGE, and you can get 20% off Manscaped.com's precision-engineered tools to keep your big love rocket airborne and ready for action. <laughs> the hosts here at The Mage got a chance to try out the performance package for ourselves, thanks to our friends at Manscaped.com. The package came with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and a pair of performance briefs and a travel bag to hold it all. Jordan, you recently tried out the performance package for yourself, and you've been using their package for a while now. Which one do you think uh, you like the most now? Yeah, it's funny. Like this was totally unplanned, or like I, I knew we were doing uh, we we're doing the recording today. Uh, I actually did use the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer this morning, um, and yeah, it's just super reliable. I was worried, like I had it, I had it not charging. I had it just sitting in the travel bag because I'd taken it, um, I'd taken it with me uh, on an outing uh, about a month ago. And I was really, I thought, oh, okay, it might need, I might not have a lot of battery there, might need to be charged first. Nope, still good to go. Uh, so battery life's obviously pretty good on it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just really clean and easy to use. Like it's sleek, it's easy to hold. Um, you know, we love that flashlight on it. You know, even if you're shaving and it's, it's daytime or there's light, you could always use a little bit of extra light because you want that precision, right? You want to, mm-hmm. you know, be as uh, clean and shiny as you can. Uh, but yeah, I love the, I love the trimmer. You know, I'm going to keep using it. I like how it's got two kind of adjustable uh, clips that you put on it, depending on how long you want to, uh, uh, <laughs> or how much trimming you want to do, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I'm a bare yeah. bones kind of guy myself. That's as far as you can go, right? <laughs> yeah. Something I guess what what sticks out to me after using it for a couple months now is that um, I haven't cut or nicked myself, and I, I think that's something you worry about, right? Like when you're trimming down there, mm-hmm. like you know, very sensitive area. You don't want any cuts or scrapes or anything, because you're really going to feel them. Uh, but yeah, no, no nicks or cuts so far, and so that's been pretty good. Uh, but yeah, lawnmower 4.0 trimmer definitely my probably my favorite part of the package. And obviously, it's like it's 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 a big it's the big feature of the uh, of the Manscaped package, the performance package that we got. So uh, yeah, happy to keep using it. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, the lawnmower is really great. And as I sort of said, I, I was using real primitive uh, pieces of equipment from a, a while ago. So definitely happy to be working with Manscaped.com. You can help support the Thirsty Mage and continue to see your mount number climb by using the promo code the Mage. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-E, the Mage. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 
And then, yeah, combat-wise, um, this entry has gone to back to turn-based because the Atelier Riser 2, at least, was sort of it gets turn-based, but it was like on a on a timer, like on act like an active timer. Whereas this one, you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to fret about doing your turn fast enough. You can just you know think through it. There is a timeline in terms of character turn order and certain skills you use will like apply several times but I, I didn't mind the going back to turn base because yeah I could take my time or I could go really fast. I didn't have to wait for the little bar to come up for me to take my next turn. I could just as fast as I can click it that's when I can do it. Yeah, um, I really liked Rise of Two's combat, like the like I guess the hybrid version. But I enjoyed Sophie Two's combat much more because um, they it was turn based, but I still feel like there was a lot of cool like visual elements too. Like you could do the um, support guard, I think, mm. where um, you can switch out your characters and like they have a cool little animation where they block the attack. And the special like dual trigger attacks where they do this like super over the top animation and it's either like a really good attack or it's a really good buff. Um, those are fun. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the combat system. I think it had a lot going on um, as far as like what you could do. You could like attack, use special abilities, items. But when you got to the harder boss fights, like you really needed all that stuff. Mm. Um, I don't think there was an element in combat that I didn't use mm. when those harder fights happened. And that's, you know, part of it is, like, you need to, like, definitely level, but the main thing is the alchemy. Like, if your items and armor and equipment is not up to snuff, you're just going to get stomped on <laughs> and have to retreat back. But I definitely, yeah, I really liked the systems they put in place for this one because your whole party was useful. Like, you didn't have favoured members and then, like, um, like you have three people because there's six party members and you'd have three in the front and three in the back. And with those, when you do those dual skills or those support guards, then that would swap the character to the front. So everybody was getting used and it felt really good to like actually use the entire party, like they're all important and part of it. Yeah, and they all sort of had their own special role like within mm. the party, but they all still felt like you needed them all. Like you had like your tank, like I think is Debold. I think I'm saying his name right. They had yeah. some interesting names in this game. Yeah. But he he was able to take a lot of damage, um, and he had a really high defense. And then you had um, Oleus, who like could deal a lot of damage. Um, mm. So everyone had like their own role, and it was cool to get to use them all. Nobody felt like an afterthought. Yeah, and like the alchemist uh, can use more items. Like I don't, I didn't quite understand like you know the restrictions because it was like I feel like Diabold could barely hold anything like a lot of things I was like no he can't hold that for some reason he can just have like some cream that's <laughs> there you go yeah he had like one and his like item number was maxed out because they all had like an item quality total or something oh and that's like, why that... yeah I didn't okay. understand it either <laughs> I had no idea I knew it was like oh the alchemist could carry more <laughs> like people would have a certain like how many but like it would just be like you know you can't carry this item and I'm like why why can't they yeah, I noticed it uh, eventually, not right away. I didn't on, know there was a like, number. 
<laughs> That's the thing with these games, though, I think. Like, there's so many things going on and so many tutorials that, like, some things like that, like, just don't get explained. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like you have, you're thrown in and you have to learn it yourself but there was basically a number on the side with a lot of their stats that showed and like Plakta and Sophie had a super high number so they could carry like a ton of items whereas like everyone else could only carry a few mm. and I guess okay. every item was assigned like a, a number so like when you tried to give Devolt like two things he was like no <laughs> I can't do it <laughs> no um, so that so was kind of sad. Like, I, I understood, like, alchemists could have more just because I figured, you know, certain, maybe certain items are exclusive to them, but yeah, I didn't realize it was just that. <laughs> yeah, um, it makes sense, I guess, in that way, too. But yeah, and then all the party members are, like, they've got their associated element because you've got, like, that level of weakness, or Alette has the, like, a damage over time attack, which was really good, especially with the, I can't remember much about like the in terms of combat in riser whether they had like the auras you had to break or not like i yeah i don't think they had auras if i remember it right mm. but because i i don't recall that but yeah the aura was a huge deal mm. in these in sophie too yeah yeah because it's uh basically blocking almost all of your damage until you can break it down and normally the way to break it down would be items or um, skills would take at least one damage to the aura, um, maybe two or so if it was like particularly effective. So it's like having to go all out just to knock down the aura so you can actually attack their health. Yeah, and I was impressed at the variety of auras that are were in this game as mm. far as what exactly they, they did. Physical or el different elements, whatever they were weak to, they were like, no, you can't touch me with that now. <laughs> Yeah, and I think one of them, it was even, like, it was weak to, like, debuffs. So, like, it that's a very specific thing. Like, it's not just even, like, a specific element. It's, like, no, it's an ability that would, like, debuff them in some way. So, that was cool. I feel like it made you really think because you're, like, oh, I can't use this character right now because their attacks are this element and they're not going to be able to do anything. Or I'll have to use a skill of theirs that isn't... Um, like this element so it did kind of put a lot of thought into what you had to do mm, like it definitely makes people you know to play these games you've got to take full advantage of everything that's available to you because they do they do seem cutesy and they are like nice and pretty light-hearted but you've definitely <laughs> you got to put effort into it you can't just breeze through it like I, like well like I said you've, you've got to do the alchemy or you're not going to get anywhere <laughs> yeah yeah, I think they can be a little bit misleading if you don't know about the Atelier series. I know when I played Ryza 2 last year, it was a kind of a big um, shock at first. Like, oh, wow, there is a lot to do in this game. And yeah. a, a lot of it is, like, really necessary. Um, but when you see, like, the trailers and everything, it just looks like this this beautiful game and, like, these cute characters and they're just running around and collecting items. Like... Hmm. You just don't get, like, that full picture, like, okay, I'm really going to have to learn these systems to, to progress. Yeah. 
Um, it's definitely not a first time as RPG to <laughs> No. <laughs> You've got to at least play maybe something else the way you can get the grasp of the combat system and then come back and realize you've got this entire other <laughs> thing going on. That's a good point. And it makes me wonder what is a good starting RPG? Because, yeah, the Atelier series is probably not it. <laughs> well, we've done, I think, we've done an episode on that. Um, a little while back where yeah, we talked about which ones we thought were good, especially because I'd sort of like, you know, I'd played like Pokemon and stuff, but I hadn't really been into RPGs until like a few, you know, quite recently, like a few years ago. So I talked about what ones helped me appreciate turn-based combat and like the different systems, but definitely not Atelier. <laughs> yeah, it is not for first timers. You've got to try something else, but they are fun. Like once you kind of have gotten into the genre a little bit, they are really fun. And they're, they're actually great because I feel like they're a good length. They, I don't ever feel like they feel too long. Mm, yeah, um, they they they're a lot. Sh- I mean, the latest games have been slightly longer, but they're definitely a lot shorter than the average RPG. Right, like if you can complete it in like forty five hours, that's really not bad comparatively mm. to a lot of other RPGs out there. Yeah, and then it depends, I guess, whether or not you're willing to look at guides or not, or how much time you're spending in photo mode. But yet, like the newer ones can take. <laughs> About, yeah, 30 or so hours, whereas I think some of the older ones were, like, less than 20. Although I guess the older ones also had the time limit, so. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I do feel like I've seen that, where, yeah. So, yeah, you only had a certain amount of time. You better make the most of it. (laughs) Mm. I've only played one game with the time limit system, which was Atelier Asia, and I found it wasn't actually that difficult obviously you couldn't do because a lot of there's like a lot of optional bosses post game kind of stuff i would you know i'd have to be a bit more focused if i wanted to get all that done in one playthrough but uh, that game i wasted an entire like nine months of the game because i was going to the wrong spot and i still managed to beat it with a few months to spare so <laughs> oh wow it, yeah um I, I think yeah there's the I'm not sure, so maybe some of the older ones, the time might be like you do have to be conscious of it, but there's also not necessarily a reason to be afraid of the ones that do have a time system because some of them you'd have to be trying really bad to, <laughs> to mess it up, to fail. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of wiggle room if you need it, <laughs> it mm. sounds like. Yeah. And yes, that's what you're talking about here, where it's like these games look really pretty and they've got a generally wholesome vibe because the, like the director said, like the tone of the series isn't, you know, it's usually like maybe something dramatic or something needs protecting, but it's not usually like, not usually the fate of the world. It's often more personal story that's going on. Um, But then the gameplay is a bit more hardcore than you'd think. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like, think they're hard, but you you know you need to <laughs> make use of what you have. Yeah, and just be ready to really read those tutorials mm. and know that like there will be some trial and error involved, but you'll get it. Just maybe yeah. not all right at the beginning of the game. Um, I've talked to a few people who've played the series, and it makes me feel better to know that like. If, if you don't figure out a system until, like, halfway through the game, it's okay. 
yeah. because it it happens. It's really hard to like master everything right away unless you're like an atelier pro and like you mm. played all the games. <laughs> yeah, and then even then when there's new stuff they change it up, so they've got to figure it out too. Yeah, they like to keep players on their toes it seems. And story-wise, the thing that's Oh wait, no. So it's something in combat I've completely <laughs> forgotten. I want to get to <laughs> um, the items because in Italia Rise it was like there was like a weird system with the core crystals or something where like the item, yeah, like the item use. Whereas this one, the items are items, and you use them, they're gone. But items can hold multiple uses. Um, and if you can, you know, you could run out of like to zero, but it wouldn't like vanish into smoke um and with uh pika um she's from um she can duplicate items and you have like an auto restock system so you just come back to your atelier and you get the bill and she's like and you're like oh no this is what i get for having these like everyone holding high quality joko bombs there goes my money um not that i usually had too much trouble with money but <laughs> i wanted to do something big and new i was like oh no but I, li- I really like that system of items because they still felt more like the other games where it's, you know, you use it up, you use it up, but you're also not losing it. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, it just felt really user-friendly. Mm. Like, you didn't have to worry about having to, like, recraft something. Mm. Um, and you also, like, in crafting, it was nice because in some items you had control over how many uses. Like, you could... Yes. Um, that's like, you had an the- option... With the traits, like when, because, you know, different ingredients have the different traits and then you're putting that in the grid together to try and unlock them. So you could, um, there'd be, it just uses the number or there'd be um, certain trait where it'd be like the uses is decreased, but the effectiveness is increased or the other way around. Or when it's on its last use, it is 50% more effective. Yeah, so I'm glad that they gave like, players agency there they could Mm. and there was a little bit more strategy involved too like you could think like okay with this item is it going to be more useful to me if I have more uses of it or is it better to make it more powerful so I can just get out of combat quickly Mm. um and and that was neat yeah the customization of this series is like a big thing like you can like when I was up against a certain boss um I went back and I was doing their equipment and I was like Ah, oh, this like these dragon materials increase like how much damage I can do to the aura. So I like shoved that on everyone's <laughs> everyone's <laughs> weapons to, just so I could like shred the aura faster. And that's yeah, you can customize things. To, you know, like you might have to go back and get some ingredients, but you can really customize things to your specific need. And then often, you know, for a boss, if I didn't like get it first try, which I don't think I had for any of them to be on it maybe one of them but uh, you know you go back and you make the right items and you get the right traits you want to face that fight and then you take it down and with the when you go to Pekka's Emporium you can also um, just get it to duplicate stuff you've crafted so if you make one good bomb instead of wasting all your ingredients like if you want to give multiple people that bomb instead of wasting your ingredients you just go to her store pay money and then you can copy what you've made you know five times and hand them off to everyone that can hold them except for Debold. <laughs> <laughs> right poor yeah. Debold. oh my gosh it, that was so helpful Pirka and her emporium like that 
was probably one of the most helpful things in this game. Mm-hmm. Just being able to duplicate an item so you didn't have to craft it twice or um, replace items so you didn't have to recraft them again. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes that would result in sticker shock. Uh, it was worth it every time (laughs) it was so worth it um even towards the end of the game we're like you were using really high quality items and they cost a lot of money but Yeah. yeah I with as much as this game has going on there were some really good ways that the devs like put in to keep it from being like too much yeah to where you'd have to kind of monitor your inventory so much like there were a few things like that that made it less of a chore yeah which i appreciated so much (laughs) and then i I feel like yeah i you know i guess i compare it a lot to rise of two but that's just because it's like the latest entry in the series i felt like Mm -hmm. we're a lot like there was still like the couple shop characters that we talked to but like the shops were less like varied they were a bit smaller um, in comparison, like it was like you know that wasn't the focus of the story. Like it wasn't about being part of the city. Um, it was about you know the adventure through the world. But they you know they're still like the shops. Sometimes you can because I couldn't figure out where to get milk for a while. So it's just like, come on, shop restock the milk. I need to, <laughs> I need it. I had a hard time finding the milk too. I don't know if other people have had that problem, but yeah, it was like just fingers crossed. I hope this vendor has it, like because I don't yeah, because know. Because I can't remember what it's from, but like normally liquid, you're like okay, a, a barrel or a pot or something, or it's like milk was something else, and I was like, well, how was I supposed to know that? I think I just ended up buying it at one of the stores. Yeah, I was like, I don't know where to find this, so we'll just buy it. <laughs> Yeah, so sometimes you can buy stuff to save yourself the trouble, or yeah, you can sell things. I didn't really sell too much in this one. Uh, I think in you know, like Rise of Two, I got like you know benefits to selling because it didn't like increase like people's stock in the other stores. But whereas this one, I didn't if, like have like you didn't have a bunch of the, like those complicated systems in regard to the shops and stuff. So I didn't sell as much. I mostly just did the requests. Like just loaded them up and whacked the mini bosses and stuff. I actually found because eventually you unlock like the EX bosses, like the ones that's supposed to be pretty tough. And I go to them and I was like, they're not that tough. Like <laughs> they're slightly stronger than the average little mini bosses that are on the map, but they're most of them aren't that bad once you've no. unlocked them. No, they really weren't. I feel like the story bosses were the ones that really would get you. And so after you fought them, like, because there were some hard story bosses before Mm -hmm. the EX ones unlocked. And it's like, after you fight one of those, the EX bosses did not feel that bad. I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is okay. Yeah, they, they weren't so bad. But the requests I thought were, were fun, though. I mean, they were all just like normal side quest but it was nice to have like a steady stream of money coming from those because you really did have to kind of manage your money if you were getting your items duplicated and restocked so much yeah so I definitely just always loaded up on those and then when you're exploring it'll sort of let you know when you've picked up something towards one of those um goals and some of the requests um because one of the yes back to story-wise, one of the main things is, like, talking to your friends. Like, there's a lot of, like, there's the main cutscenes, but there's a lot of just little cutscenes. So you might finish a story beat and then you've got about, like, ten of those to go through 
where you're catching up and progressing like the individual stories of your party members, your other friends in town, just just little things like that where they're all pretty, I mean, they're all pretty like just, you know, nice, relaxing, sometimes funny. Um, but yeah, eventually you might unlock a request from a character and then fulfilling that will give you something else. Yeah, it all kind of flowed together. Mm. Um throughout the story as you made progress speaking of the the cast and like their um just their different requests and everything how did you just feel about the characters in general I I liked all the party members yeah I did find Olette's outfit to be interesting that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was just like this is an interesting jester costume like it's really like I said I think in my preview that she needs to go to the fashion police but Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, it's usually like girls are pretty well-designed or over-designed and then the boys are very plain-looking. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. Dobald's in a night outfit and Olius has, like, got a, you know, got a waistcoat and his gun. I think his main feature is, like, his hair colour. <laughs> yeah, he did have a nice hairstyle, at mm. least. It was better than D-Bolds. He kind of had that, like, bold yeah. cut going yeah. on. I don't know why. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I liked them all. I, I do think, like, the Atelier games have fun characters. Like, mm. most of them are, like, kind of goofy in yeah. their own way, but they're fun. Um, they, like... they, they do a good <laughs> job of, like, you know, making the characters have a dynamic together for funny scenes and... And I do, yeah, usually like all of them. I haven't, you know, I don't often have a party member. I'm like, I don't like you. I don't want you. Um, Yeah. It was fun to see them all interact with each other as the story went on. Especially, like, I think Oleus and Alette had kind of a fun dynamic. Um, And he had a funny one with Diebold as well. Mm. Because, like, their personalities were so different. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, yeah, one one of the things story-wise were... I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's it's minor spoilers except also if you you know if you have you know maybe played a little bit of the first game or something it, they really hint towards it a lot but then it takes a long time in the story for them the two characters to actually acknowledge it they just sort of ignore it but that's with uh, one of your party members Ramsiel and like you know like you've written that it's it's in- the premise of it's interesting because the world. Uh, therein is like people from different places and times so some people are from like away in the past or maybe even in the future from where Sophie is at yeah that was probably my favorite part of the story with Mm. this game and yeah I think it's tough because like it is kind of a little bit of a reveal when you find out who Ramsdale is but if you have played the first game and have some of that knowledge you kind of already know Um, but I thought it was cool because you even got references about, um, I think from Pirka with Diebold as well. Like she kind of knew the time period that he was from Mm. and it was fun to see Sophie and Ramsiel just like try to deal with the awkward situation (laughs) that they were in Mm. because they are connected, but it's, it's just different for both of them because it's a, it's not the relationship that either one of them like had previously. Mm. Well, you know, one of the, <laughs> like I said, with a different time, some people didn't even know each other at that. 
Right, exactly. Like a, yeah. <laughs> I feel a bit, I feel, I think, on Ramsdale's end, that's more, I find that would be more shocking than the other way around, you know? Oh, yeah. She was like, wait, what? I like, I have a family? Like, what is happening? Like, yeah. she, <laughs> I feel bit, like, she yeah. was like, she's like, I'm not even married yet. What? <laughs> she's like, wait a minute. No. Yeah. But it, her reaction was, so like accurate and funny because like of course like if you met like your granddaughter and you were still in your 20s like how would you react (laughs) like wait a minute like I'm not ready for this yet Um, but I thought it was really sweet because if you play the first game or even just kind of read a little bit about it um, you know that Sophie and her grandmother um, were really close and she has this opportunity to see her again. Mm. And I just kind of, when I was like playing through the game, I'm just like, wow, like I feel like all of us would love a chance to see a loved one again that we hadn't seen in a while. You know, Mm. Um, that was just a really cool concept. I I did think it was interesting how long it took to get to that point, especially they both got the same necklace. Oh, yeah. None of them said anything, as far as I'm aware. None of them, like, not even when they come to this realization. I don't think they still mention it at all that I know of. And it's like, really? (laughs) That would have been the first thing I would have been like, oh, if I saw, you know? Yeah, like, hmm, something is is the same here. What is happening? (laughs) Yeah, it was fun, though. So the story focus of this one is, like, people's personal dreams, because that's what the world is a place where people from different times um, and places can focus on their personal dreams and then come back to where they belong. Like once they've got the skills um, to actually do that, like Alette wants to be super merchant um, and I won't spoil like why she wants that, but you know, she's here, she's a merchant, she's practicing her craft, trying to make it the best, trying to save a bunch of money. Um, whereas some other people have lost their dream, like they're not quite sure what they want anymore, and they might have been here for a lot longer because they're not, they're a bit lost. So it's a very, yeah, you know, it does, I feel like, you know, like these games range, I guess, in how deep into things they go, but it is definitely like a really interesting topic where you've got the different range of people that are there fulfilling their dreams and other people that are just stuck there because they don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, and it was it was good to see it, like, not always put in a super positive light. Mm. Like, for Alette, like, of course, like, she wants to hone her skills, and so many other people in that world were there because they wanted to hone their skills and then go back. But, yeah, you kind of heard some, like, tough stuff from some of the characters, too, where, like, they didn't really have a direction or they had failed and they weren't really sure how to rectify it, like, mm. within themselves. Because, um, like, with Atelier games, so much of the story is, like, upbeat and happy and, yeah, you know, they're wholesome. Like, they're just fun. But I think that it kind of still made all the characters a bit more relatable. Like, they all had their own different motivations. And so you were bound to connect with at least one of them based on their reasons why they were in this world. And so it was cool that they kind of went through the whole spectrum of reasons. Whereas uh, Sophie's just there because she got sucked in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But she, 
she is kind of there. I mean, she helps everyone yeah. there, yeah. which is cool. Well, like, and <laughs> it helps her, you know, in a way. She's prepping for her alchemy exam with all the new different alchemy there is. Right. Everybody wins yeah. <laughs> by the end of it. Like, they all get a good experience. But I don't know. It was... it. I thought it was done pretty well. It, it's definitely a JRPG type of story, mm. but it is relatable in some ways too, because we all have dreams and mm. just having a concept of a world where you could live them out for a little while is pretty neat. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like the story's never been, you know, especially the main plot scene, you know, are never like overly groundbreaking, but they're definitely human. Like in one of the games, like the first one I played was Telly Aisha it was pretty much just a damsel in distress situation. But I, I was very motivated. Like, that was a really big motivator for me to, like, save her sister, uh, try to find her. And so I think, this, yeah, the stories are worth going through because of, you know, there's still that human connection. Yeah, there's a piece of it that you can relate to on a personal level, and that keeps you invested. So was there anything else in particular about the game we haven't mentioned that you want to talk about? Let me think. I I'm like, like we have really talked about it like from I'm, top to bottom of I'm, the yeah, barrel. I'm, like, I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure, I'm like, because I was going part way through and I'm like, oh, I forgot to talk about the items and I forgot to talk. So I'm just like, talked about gathering the synthesis, the alchemy, the different exploration, Sophie, Sophie's story. <laughs> Sophie's yeah. story, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah overall what were your thoughts on this game overall I I really enjoyed it um I I do think that I have to kind of be in a certain mood to play Atelier games because mm. they require a lot of you when you play um but I had a great time I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Rise of Two because I ah. I understood um, what I was doing a Aye, little bit enough. more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was fun. And, and honestly, the part that I liked the most was just the story with her and Ramsiel and that whole connection that really resonated yeah. with me and it was really sweet. Um, so overall I enjoyed it and it was, it was a fun time, but I'm going to need a break before I play another Atelier game for a little while. <laughs> Um, that's it. like you go oh well at least I'll go for a year but then there'll be another one out and you're like oh I'm never gonna catch up with these games I'll never catch up but that's all right they're still fun and I'm looking forward to seeing um what they do because I think this year is the 25th anniversary um yeah. of the series so I'm sure they've got other stuff planned yeah like they've done spin-offs and stuff too like I haven't played it but there's one that's like more of a town building game or something, you know, <laughs> so. Oh, that's interesting. That would be yeah. really different. It's, it's like a sort of an all-stars thing because you get characters from the other games coming in. Like, they're not the main character, but yeah, it's just, I think that was like a celebration type game. Oh, so, so they could have something like special and different for this too. That's cool. Yeah, maybe. How did you, oh, um, how did you feel about this one overall? I really liked it. Like I said, I was, um, and I think the only things that bothered me was like the alchemy system at first, like I was doing the auto system, but then eventually I got used to it and was really into it. I definitely, I mean, at some point I'll go and play the first Sophie, but I definitely prefer this one over it. 
especially with like yeah just all the up that you know one the leveling seems a bit more normal and yeah i did think it was interesting though because yeah the max level from sophie that's what she starts as is this game in this game so i thought that was a nice touch and i did so i did review it for rpg site and compared to like, for my own channel when I did Riser 2, I did rate it just a little bit less than Riser 2 because I felt like Riser 2 had, like, I like you know, I liked the alchemy system. It had a lot going on with the swimming, the mounts, the just the whole system in place with the town people, like all the requests and leveling up merchants, things like that. It was just, like, a little bit more. But I still I still rate this one as really good, and I really and I really liked it. Good. Yeah. They, I feel like they both like Sophie two and Ryza two, like they both do a lot well. And then there's just a few things that are just like, that could be a little bit better, but overall they're both fun. And I think they, they change up the series enough to kind of keep you on your toes while you play. And yeah, so I would say Atelier isn't a good entry point if you haven't, like, I need to tell you, it's not a good entry point if you haven't played RPGs before. But these, you know, even though they've got number two in them, they're not bad places to start either for the actual series itself. Right. They, They are okay. Take it from someone who has started with two sequels in this series. Um, the game does a lot to help you kind of adjust and jump in. Um, but I know also that, you know, some, some players really like to play things in order. So that's, that's cool too, Mm. but you don't have to with these. It's not a super necessary thing. That's what I mean. Or you can just pick like one trilogy to start on and go for that. Because like I said, they pretty much seem to be in their own world. So you're not going to miss out on something in Riser games if you haven't played the Dusk trilogy, you know? Right. And there's so many to choose from, so... Mm. You know, you have a lot of options out there. Yeah. Um, the only, I say, uh, the only, my probably recommending starting point for new people would probably be the first Riser game, but I have one major issue with that, which is how slow the start of the game is. Like, it took me almost half the game before I finally you know, got to like nearly like a boss point. And then after that, the story flowed on well, but it was just like the start of that one is really slow for some reason. Yeah. I feel like I've heard that just Mm. in general from folks who have played it, that it is, it is good once you get to that point, but you kind of have to have some patience with it at the beginning. So yeah, I can see why that would be a good starting point, but also just like, you know, be prepared for that if you're going to play that one first. The last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. Yeah, so um, normally, sometimes, I think we haven't done it too much lately, but sometimes we do a last call, which is like a mini topic that we talk about. Um, and since this game is one, obviously, we're not talking about the tele series in this sense, but, um, you know, a lot of games nowadays have crafting, um, especially, I feel like, in the genre, I don't really play, but they seemed like, you know, a few years ago now, but there was a trend of, like, adding crafting to all those action-adventure type, you know, like, third-person perspective games. They didn't really have crafting, and then they've added it into their series. And 
So do you think, to, like, outside of games where it's the purpose, such as Atelier or um, certain, like, roguelites or something, do you think too many games have crafting systems now? Um, I think what? I think too many games, like, try to put in a crafting system that is either too involved for what it needs to be mm. or I guess it feels like it's just tacked on. Mm. I think when you have crafting... Um, it needs to be something that feels like it makes sense. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't just need to be this like thing that's like, oh, well, you know, you can do this if you want. But um, yeah, that that's a cool question because I do feel like sometimes you'll get into a game and then there's a crafting system in there and you're just like, why is this here? And you never use yeah. it. And it's just very weird. <laughs> yeah, because for games like... Yeah, where it's built in like a tele or like Minecraft, things like that, where it's part major part of the game, that's fine. But yeah, I found a lot of yeah, like a lot of games just have it and it's like when yeah, if they're from a series that didn't previously have it or it's just what's the point of this? Like maybe I'd rather just find better items in a chest somewhere or grab it off an enemy than having to pick up leaves while I'm also shooting around, you know? <laughs> Right. Like, it's just, there's already enough going on that I guess would supply the gameplay aspect of it, right? Like, I'm already doing this combat. I'm already having to explore or do puzzles. Um, I don't need this other system. Because sometimes a game can have too many systems. Yeah. And it just feels overwhelming um, and too much. So I definitely think that can be a problem. I'm trying to think of some examples of games where it kind of felt not super necessary so i'm i'm just trying to think to see i was like like i said a lot of them like i heard the complaints about and not once i necessarily played but i'm pretty sure i'm not you have to <laughs> maybe correct me but i was saying like certain games like i think maybe some of like the newer tomb raiders had added crafting i'm not 100 sure on that but some series like that they went from no crafting to having it and i'll just double check before i run my mouth too much but <laughs> uh you know, things like that where it was, like, a sudden change or just, yeah, certain genres where you're like, why is this even in here? Like, what's it got to do? I'd often, mm -hmm. yeah, so they added, I don't know if it's been in the older games or not. It's definitely in the newer games, though. Yeah, that that is interesting. That's not a game series that would have, that I would have expected to have crafting. Um, it just doesn't feel like it would fit there. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like there's just some games where it just doesn't feel like it would really fit. Like, especially like an action adventure game like that. Yeah. Um, it, like it almost, yeah, it just feels weird. And also I think that some games take crafting like a little too far. Like, and they make it like really, really complicated. Mm. Um, I know I remember hearing some complaints about like the last story of seasons game where oh, yeah. you have to um, get all of these different machines. Yeah. Um, the make <laughs> the makers. That's what yeah. it is. For, I've not played that game, but I remember seeing screenshots. The, oh of, yeah. Like, my, farms. my pile. And then it's tanking and then it's tanking your uh, <laughs> frame rate too. Cause you just got a hundred of oh, them. Yes. Uh, what was worse than when that originally launched was like, it could only produce like one or so things at a time. So you would have multiple of the same one just because they weren't effective. 
Oh, um, no. Why? Yeah, like, and then, yeah, that kind of series, it's like, yeah, they added crafting because I, I guess, you know, they want to take inspiration from stuff like Stardew and stuff, uh, but they sort of missed the point <laughs> because normally there are, like, not quite crafting, but there's things in some games where it's like, you collect the materials, like, so in these games, you collect the lumber and the stone and then send it off to somebody to make the building for you. So I'd probably prefer, you know, just a simpler focus like that, where it's maybe you collect things naturally, but you put it through, you just, it totals up and then you put it through someone else. And yeah, I don't, and I think the makers were previously just something you'd buy and not have to <laughs> go through crafting. And yeah, there was just too many of them <laughs> I remember yeah I remember seeing like screenshots from people that had like just this huge space of land and all it was were those makers and I'm just like wow they that's a lot like I don't know I don't know what's going on here but yeah I think I think crafting is one of those things that it requires more thought to make it really good than I think a lot of um, devs really think about like, they're like, Oh, let's add crafting. But it really is a system that I think you should, you should think about and really make it either like useful or necessary or fun. um, Or else players may just not want to engage with it at all. Mm. But yeah, definitely. I think Pines of Old Town is a good example of it just feeling pretty tacked on. Yeah, not being thought out well at all. <laughs> right, and if it's causing even performance issues, then you know it's a real problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that—that's just not you don't want that if you can avoid it. But yeah, like yeah, some if it's another time, it's like you should have just <laughs> should have just left it alone. Especially, especially, I don't understand it in a lot of those action adventure games. It's just like let's let's stop doing that and let's. Add a bunch of RPG mechanics and crafting into it for some reason. Yeah, well, Take and it. I think it it kind of went along with the trend yeah. that happened a few years ago, where like everything had to be open world, mm. like, and and it just felt like oh, every every like big game needs to have an open world or like a sandbox style world, and you could gather ingredients and like yeah. do a crafting system on the side, where really like. Some games really do benefit from that type of design, but not every game has to have that. And I I think we're past that point now, like where you don't see that all the time. But I think um, that may have contributed to it as well, because every it seemed like so many games were taking that approach. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me to talk about Atelier Sophie 2. Do you have anything that you've recently worked on or going to to promote? Because you write oh. for... Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I write for Nintendo Force, which is a magazine that releases every two months that covers all sorts of Nintendo topics and games. And right now we're working on our May and June issue, which will come out um, at the start of May. So we're working on that. And if you are interested in that um we do have a patreon it's patreon.com slash nintendo force and you can just get some more info on what we do there but yeah we're working on it it's going to be a 
sports themed issue because of the new um, Mario Strikers Battle League game that's coming out in May. Um, and your Twitter handle is Avenger Max. Yes, yes. that's right. That's where I can find you. That's where you can find me and see way too many tweets about <laughs> trails. So yeah. click on it at your own risk. <laughs> um, I don't think I have, well, I'm working on stuff, but um, I don't think I have anything to talk about right now. Um, I'm not even sure when this episode is going to be, if it's going to be placed soon or before some other ones. So I can't even say what might be next week because I don't know <laughs> when this is airing. <laughs> but but nevertheless, thanks for joining us and I hope to see you on the podcast some other time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. So, bye, everyone. Bye.